Welcome in everyone to the 34th episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty Podcast. We're your hosts, Toby and Colin. Toby, how's your week been? My week has been amazing. I dislocated my shoulder and I made fantasy football playoffs in all of my leagues, except one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, same with me, except one and it made me sad. Yeah. What we're going to do, may, many of you have probably already seen it on our social medias, we've called out into the community as we have done many times before with our trade episodes instead it's just a classic mailbag any questions that you guys had before your fantasy playoffs this is when every little decision matters so much we just went out into the community reddit twitter got all of the responses of questions that you guys wanted to ask the most and toby these answers we give matter a lot these are gonna win and lose some people their playoff matchups i'm ready I'm yeah. ready to be a part of that hardware. Of course, if you want to engage with us on social media, find us on Twitter, at Deep Dive Dynasty. And uh, I'm going to start off with Twitter. We didn't get nearly as many Twitter replies. Reddit, as always, coming through much uh, much more strongly, which I, you know, I appreciate the Reddit guys out there. Here is the one and only reply we have on Twitter. It says, In round two of my playoffs, full PPR league and not sure whether to plug in Clyde Edwards-Alaire over Wayne Gallman. So that's your first one. Mm. Clyde or Gallman. Obviously, you have Clyde coming off of the dud that no one saw coming. There was definitely some concerns about his illness, but we did not expect him to play at straight-up zero snaps. I have him in one of my lineups, and he got me a zero. And then we have, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Wayne Gallman, who has been blowing up, and I would actually stick with Wayne Gallman, which is insane if you ask me this type of question at the start of the year like that is just crazy to me to be going for a total waiver wire pickup guy that i had completely written off over a first round redraft pick but i'm gonna stick with wayne gallman wayne gallman last week 16 carries 135 yards and had two touchdowns vultured yeah if he has those two touchdowns then you're not even thinking about this (laughs) and with touchdown variants, those were Morris's first two touchdowns of the year. You've got to expect at least one of those to come back to Gallman if it's another two touchdowns on the ground type game. I would go Gallman. And yes, I, I know it's kind of disgusting saying that, but yeah. I agree. It's Gallman. Yeah, same. Okay, and then the second part, and I should shout him out. This is from Brennan8912. And his second part of his question is Noah Fant or Dallas Goddard in his tight end spot. So you've got... Philadelphia, who's playing with a brand new quarterback, and we don't know what that means with Dallas Goddard, and that's against New Orleans. And on the other side, you have Noah Fant, and he plays Carolina. My answer would be Noah Fant. Noah Fant has been injured for a lot of this year. He obviously has the game with no quarterback throwing to him, but he has consistently been getting targets. It's just not nearly as much as like fantasy production as you would have expected. Whereas Dallas Goddard now, you have Zach Ertz back, which at the absolute least takes away from Dallas Goddard. Even if Ertz yep. isn't fantasy relevant anymore, he mm-hmm. takes away from Goddard. And then there is just the absolute question mark of Jalen Hurts. I would avoid that offense against an even tougher defense, and I would go with Noah Fant. I would do the same because I'm scared about variance when you're going into playoffs. I don't like that. If you're in second round of playoffs be taking Fant. Fant is a guy that can take it 80 yards to the house. He has the breakaway speed. So I wouldn't be thinking that Goddard is somehow more of a boom option. I, I would stick with Fant as well. 
Okay, now we are switching over to Reddit. We got the first message I got pretty much as soon as I posted the thread. I even replied to this one and said, yep, we'll talk about this one. It's just T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> Chemistry with rivers growing, an option for playoffs, and what about his future? So in terms of an option for playoffs, his schedule upcoming, he has it's Vegas, then Houston, then Pittsburgh. Let's start off with just week 14. So he just has had two great games in a row. Last week he had 11 targets. Are you plugging him right back in against Vegas? I think if I'm in a league with two flexes, yes. If I'm in a league with one flex, I need to look around my bench. So to elaborate, T.Y. Hilton, as ranked by Sleeper right now, projected for 11.7 points. That's just below guys such as Sterling Shepard, Jerry Judy, Jameson Crowder, T. Higgins. And I actually would play him over all of those guys. Yeah, me too. And I just think, from what we saw last game, that is what I expected from T.Y. Hilton being kind of like Took a his... While. You know, his standard that he can put up every one or two games. And he's, I mean, he only just broke the 20 mark. This mm-hmm. is his only game of the season. Like, yes, he had a good game against Tennessee getting 18. But this is this is the only game where he's above 20. He went 25. Against Vegas, they, I do believe they're going to be throwing it a lot. Vegas is proved susceptible through the air. Hilton's on too much of a hot streak to leave on my bench mm-hmm. right now. I would be scared if it was a bad matchup. But to it's, me... You stay in the flames, most likely. Of course, with any of these questions, I'd love to know your, your other options. Yeah. But I'm okay, for sure, with staying in the flames with Hilton. And then going forward, you asked about the whole playoffs. I'm basing my Houston start off of what I see this week. If he absolutely mm-hmm. duds out, I'm out. But if he continues to roll, then you're going to have to stick with him. And if he's good in both week 14 and 15, then you have the tough decision of yeah. do you play him against Pittsburgh. And do you know what? DM us. We'll get to that question if we need to. Yeah, please do. He also quickly asked, what do you think about T.Y.'s future? Let's just be on this year. I would say I would guess that this offseason, he will probably be completely left for dead, and you might be able to get one or two more years out of him, but I do not give him a ton of value. I'm not trading good assets for him. You don't know who their quarterback will be next year for sure yet. Michael Pittman should emerge. Paris Campbell should be back. I don't love the future outlook of Hilton at all. I don't either, and I think the whole fantasy community is dying on Hilton. For sure. He's 31 now, but I, I do agree that if, if you can get him for super cheap next year, then do it. But if there's someone willing to pay up for him, get him off your team. Yeah, I'd be happy to move him if I could get something back. Yeah. The next one says, probably no Galladay this week. <sighs> Is this a Marvin question? Yeah, what do you... I'll, I'll read it exactly. It just says, MJJ thought. Marvin Jones Jr., what are your thoughts? And my fear is this week he plays against Green Bay, and that means Jair, Jair Alexander. Alexander. I am in a dynasty playoff matchup. You are my co-owner in this matchup. <laughs> and we talked to last night about do we flex him or not, and both of us preferred the flex of Dobbins over Marvin Jones. And I don't know how much that tells you, but Marvin Jones has been very good since week seven. His points in PPR is 13, 19, 13, 24, 9, 11, and 25. 
So for the back half of this season, he's been great, but he is still the deep ball guy, which means he can give you a boom or a bust. We really don't know what to see. I've actually been surprised with how much Mohamed Sanu has been used since he joined the team. He definitely is the number two at this point, which is pretty crazy to, for a guy who's just right off the street, but I'm just not confident with Marvin Jones. He absolutely can't explode, though. Benching Marvin Jones is so hard, just because I we've recently put him in our lineup, and he's really paid dividends, so I know it's difficult, but if you're in playoffs, he's such an unsafe option. Yep. The Lions are going to lose to the Packers, Yep. And they're they're going to get shut down through the air for roughly two and a half quarters. So you are looking for Marvin Jones to be getting you some garbage time points. That's what he Hopefully did last touchdown. week. It's, it's exactly what he did last week, and it's what you're hoping for again. Mm-hmm. And that's just a hope I wouldn't want to bet on. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, just before I forget, that question about Marvin Jones was from Nubian Joker. And the T.Y. Hilton question was from Golden God 321 Damn. This next one from same generic username says, Love the pod. Thank you. I think it'd be cool to hear some of your thoughts on stashes, offseason strategy for rebuilders, players to target via trades. Well, I will say is, just regarding the final one, trades, we've continued to do that every week. I will give you yet another player at the end of this episode that I think you should be targeting. So I think we have that covered, at least for Mm -hmm. now. Especially because, in general, people cannot trade right now they're still having to wait a few weeks so i'm sure we will get around in this offseason to players we think you need to target some thoughts on stashes toby do you have anyone in your mind that is a deep stash that you think is someone that you can add right now like say you this doesn't seem like a guy who's in playoffs so he's talking about guys who you can just throw in your roster right now and you can potentially use for years coming do you have any thoughts on guys like that the top of my head, no. I'm looking, I'm just checking out our waiver wire in our Dynasty League. I see Jakeem Grant is a name that kind of excites me, but he's so gimmicky that I don't actually think he's going to become part of Tua's everyday arsenal. Yeah, he's, he's nothing too much to me. If I'm thinking off the top of my head of someone that could actually gain a lot of value, okay, here's one. We talked about it a bit a few episodes ago we had who you need to be targeting if you are a rebuilding team. And one of the groups we brought up was people that are essentially hurt for this year or, in this case, have opted out of the season. And one player that I would definitely go check for is Damian Williams. Yeah. Because what we've seen so far this season out of Kansas City is that they are not giving the entirety of the work to Clyde Edwards-Alaire which means when they were planning out what they were going to do this season, they definitely had a role in mind for Damian Williams, and I think they probably will again next year, and he is possibly on some waiver wires right now. I hope he isn't, but when you had a somewhat aging running back at the start of the season and he was a guaranteed weight on your bench for the entire year, he was dropped a lot of the time, and if you're not competing right now, he's definitely worth a grab and will have some value by the start of next season. Yeah, I like that one. You also said about some off-season strategy in terms of trading picks, and my biggest piece of advice is that all of your picks will hit their peak value on draft day. Mm -hmm. Not two days before, 
but when people are actually watching the draft board unfold, you need to have your tiers lined up because other people have different tiers that they care about and if they see someone they really want to go and get, they will overpay and the opposite can happen in which someone might have a bigger tier available on the board right now than you do and you could see a guy at the top of that list that you really want to go get and if it doesn't matter that much for them to drop five spots, it's going to be cheaper. Me and Toby did this. This offseason in our Dynasty League, we traded because it was in the middle of the second and we really wanted both T. Higgins and Denzel Mims and we had one of those two picks to get him. We also had a much later pick that would have been in the range of Brian Edwards or LaVisca Chenault, which were guys we didn't want as much. We wanted to move up and we didn't trade that much to go from a LaVisca Chenault, Brian Edwards, all the way up to a T. Higgins and that has paid dividends for us now. Yeah. Golden God, he's back. Golden hey, God, back, three, Golden two, God. One, says, David Johnson, still trying to gain traction in Houston. Future outlook given coaching situation and upcoming draft. Houston's lack of draft capital has him being the main guy for another year. Playoff matchups, flex candidate is his final question. So the main thing he's asking about is, are they actually going to replace him? Or are they going to stick with him for another year? And secondly, can you flex him in these playoffs? Flex, definitely. I'm 100% willing to. I'm I'm excited about it. Romeo Cornell, who I don't trust at all with anything. But he has he has hinted that his role is going to expand. And I agree, when he was on the field, he actually looked pretty decent this last week. Well, I hear you in that they don't have a lot of draft capital. And I don't suspect they're going to get a big running back star with some of their first picks. There's going to be competition for David Johnson. And David Johnson's role... I don't know. Even if the top competition is just, like, Duke. I don't see yeah. him become... I don't ever see him being a workhorse three-down back ever again. I can see him playing, playing a role for the offense that still puts you up 20 fantasy points. But I don't see his value necessarily increasing from what it is right now. He's a guy, he's a guy I'm worried about. Okay. I think due to the situation that Houston is in because of what Bill O'Brien has done to that franchise, I actually do think that he is likely in the exact same situation in a year from now. Of course, we can easily be wrong and they can put some draft capital into a running back. They shouldn't. They should grab a wide receiver in a place where they would consider running back. But it is possible, however... I think it will be David Johnson and Duke Johnson again next year, and we know it's a good offense, which is the same reason I am suggesting that you should be starting him in most formats these upcoming weeks, even though he does play Chicago and then Indy. He just put up 10 points, not as much through the receiving game, but mostly through the rushing game. He actually had zero receptions, and that is the first time that's happened this season other than the one game where he got severely injured. So due to the fact that he only played half of the snaps last game, whereas before his injury he was playing in the 80s and 90%. He's going to be on the field even against these good defenses. I like David Johnson. And going forward, I would guess that I will probably be acquiring some David Johnson because more people than not are going to be thinking like you are right now and that he's an aging asset and there's a good chance he's losing his job. I think there's a good chance he keeps it for another year. Okay, 
let's be real. It's just another year, though. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. CDs says, Justin Herbert, start or bench for playoffs? You seem hesitant. I am not. Absolute locked-in starter. He plays the Atlanta Falcons this week. He's going to ball out. There's no question to me. I am easily putting Justin Herbert in this week, and if he puts up a dud against Atlanta, which he won't, then sure, you can bench him the next week. But do not sit the quarterback nine on the season. I doubt you have a better option, and if you do... Good for you. That's two great quarterbacks. Yeah, that's that's two amazing... You you have to play Justin Herbert. He is playing against the, I would say, best matchup in the league. The number one defense across the season to play against as a quarterback is Seattle, but they've been better lately. There is no team I would rather play right now than the Falcons. I'm very excited about Keenan Allen. I'm very excited about Hunter Henry. Mike Williams. Eh. (laughs) He's a guy you can take a shot on any week, but... Keenan Allen, Eckler, Hunter Henry, yeah. and Justin Herbert. I yeah. am playing with confidence. Backhank says, love the podcast. I was wondering, what trade calculators or tools do you use when gauging the outcome of a trade? I will say, first of all, that you can just Google Dynasty Trade Calculator, and I would suggest using a few of them because there are times that you can find that one of them is pretty off on a calculation. I find that very weird. But I don't know if this is a flex or not. I feel like I've gotten past the point where I'm using any calculators anymore. Yeah, you gotta trust your gut, backache. You yeah. just gotta, at the end of the day, I think it's great to glean some data from online sites and get a general gist of it if you're just an average player. Mm-hmm. But not, none of those algorithms are precise. None of them are accurate. Zero of them are prophetic. At the end of the day, if you're a team that's rebuilding, then you might value the picks more. If you're a team that's going for the championship, Mm -hmm. you might value the players more. Yeah, I would say there are better resources out there, and that's including messaging experts, putting polls on Twitter, using the Reddit site that I got this exact comment off of. But most of all, you got to use your own judgment and... What these trade calculators, in my opinion, should be used for is to get a general basis of just someone's not getting absolutely ripped off, but to actually nickel and dime your way through a trade to make sure that you're slightly winning every trade, I don't think is really going to help you in the long run. NK the Great 13 says, do we trust Andy Dalton over Stafford for Superflex? <laughs> Uh, here's another part, but let's say that one first. First of all, we know that Dalton plays Cincinnati Bengals and Stafford plays Green Bay. Good defense. Mm-hmm. Well, for the air. Yeah, very good defense in the air. They're easy to run against, though. Do we trust it? N- no. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm not wholly you. confident, but I would never make fun of you if you thought, yeah, I'd want Dalton over a bad defense versus Stafford. Mm-hmm. It, it's in, it's entirely possible that he does better. Yeah, I am playing Dalton in a super flex league, not entirely happily, but if I had this option, I would be playing Stafford. Yeah. He has definitely not had the season that we wanted, but I do have more confidence, and he has less of a chance to bust than... Andy Dalton does, and I think that 
Dalton has the chance to have a Jared Goff game where he gets all of his touchdowns completely taken away by Zeke, it's probably going to happen one of these upcoming games for him. It's just the way that it goes when you're a below average quarterback with a good running game. And let's be real, Zeke is still a good running back. And then on the other side of it, I do think there's a lot of potential for the back half of this game for Stafford to have him throwing it like crazy to try to catch up. So I would go with Stafford. Next he says, if Gore is out, do we start Ty Johnson? Nope. I don't think so. Either not with confidence, it would be a very desperate play. And then he said, what if he's in, as in if Gore's playing... I'm not sure if you're still asking about starting Ty Johnson, because then... Do, do not start either near Jet running back. Is there a scenario that Gore is playing and you'd start him? To me, there isn't really now that he has an injury. No. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it. Stay away. I sure hope if you're in the playoffs, you can find a better option. But I get it. You sometimes you, sometimes you don't. Next up from... <laughs> He's back again. It's Golden God 321. Oh, Golden God, my man. <laughs> I love it. Miami's RB situation. Ahmed, an opportunity or distraction? And he said, do they draft an RB at the end of the first round? I'm going to go with no, they don't draft an RB at the end of the first round. If they really wanted one, they would have got DeAndre Swift when he was on the board this year. And two, Ahmed, distraction, not opportunity. Gaskin is the man. And even behind Gaskin, you have other smaller pieces that are not Ahmed. That I, I think, think Ahmed is important. clearly, in my mind, the number two at this point. Yeah. But I totally agree that if they wanted to spend high draft capital on a running back, which Jeez. they shouldn't ever. Don't yeah. do that, NFL teams. They didn't this last season when it was the most obvious of a time that they should because... No one knew what they had in Gaskin, but Gaskin's had a great year, and he is really underappreciated. I do think that Ahmed has a good chance, but it's most likely as a rotational backup, and that's pretty solid for what you've got out of him. We scouted him this season. He was a rookie, of course, and I didn't like what I saw out of Ahmed, to be honest, at all. I was not projecting him to get drafted in the NFL, and he wasn't, but... That hasn't changed the fact that now I have picked him up onto some of my dynasty teams because I do think there is opportunity, even if it is in some sort of handcuff role, if this Miami offense is better and if they don't use a pick next season, I'm sure they won't use a first, but if they don't even use a day two pick, then Ackman has, in my opinion, a pretty good opportunity to be a backup, which is great for the free price that you got him for. Sure. Screaming buttholes. Says. Not surprised that one got Toby. Jerry Judy. What happens to the situation in Denver and how worried should he be about Jerry Judy's future? With Corlin Sutton coming back, yeah. his role in the offense changes. And, and the question mark at quarterback. I still really like Jerry Judy. And this is someone that was probably lower on him than a lot of people were in the fantasy community. But Jerry Judy is a very good wide receiver who happened to go to a team where he will be competing for a long time with a very good, exceptionally good wide receiver in Cortland Sutton. I think that Jerry Judy will be the number two, and I do think he can succeed in that role. 
but he is mostly a long-term play for me. I will not be interested in him in redraft next year, for example. But the most significant thing for Jerry Judy is that he does need to have a better quarterback throwing him the ball because unless Drew Locke has some sort of revelation, he has not been accurate at all this season. He has been the least accurate quarterback in the league. And when you are already splitting up those targets amongst him and Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton, and at least right now, Tim Patrick as well, I'm not excited for him in the short term, but I know that he is the type of player that can easily succeed into his 30, 31, 32 mm-hmm. year season. That's the type of route runner he is. I would not let the return of Court and Sutton scare you. I think Judy will put up better numbers year two. I think he will then put up even better numbers year three. I'm I am bullish on his future, at least for this first little bit despite the swirling quarterback worries and the concern of Sutton, Judy Judy is because of his talent and he really has flashed this season. Yeah. He's definitely he's, a he's hold. Good. Yeah, he's he's a hold, he's stale. Ron Burgundy and Gold, which I really enjoy that name. I don't know if you're a Washington fan or what, but I just it's a good name. He says, I'm out of the playoffs, but I'm looking for guys to stash on the back of my bench for twenty twenty one. Any suggestions? So I already did give the suggestion of Damian Williams, and that should be extrapolated to other players that you might be able to get right now because they are injured for the year or something like that. Like, maybe we've been continually talking about Denver, maybe Aquabunum from Denver or other rookie tight ends like that. There are people that you could potentially pick up. You want a huge, huge deep stash? Quintez Cephas. I like Quintus. Sure, I do too. You, uh, we have him, so... Yeah. <laughs> and I like that we have him. Yeah, Quintus is a guy... Marvin Jones is not going to be there forever. They just cut Marvin Hall because they believe in Quintus Cephas. They believe that he's a guy that can actually rise through the ranks at wide receiver. He's had deep shots thrown to him. He's shown some athletic ability. I do not mind him as a little deep stash. Yeah, I'm not sure how widely available he would be in these deep dynasty leagues but he is a guy i would be absolutely willing to pick up another guy that just comes to mind right now he's another player i did not like at all as a prospect but donovan peoples jones has shown some flashes he could be the type of guy to pick up let's move it right along we'll go to tybo5 who says is acres a viable options for the playoffs acres is Definitely a guy that I want long-term. He excites me. Would I play him in playoffs? He plays New England, then the Jets, then the Seahawks. I probably wouldn't, but it is obviously option-dependent. And the reason I wouldn't is just kind of snap percentages. Last three games, he had 18%, 27%, 62%. Yeah, what so a, what a trend. Obviously, there's, you know... A market uptick this last week, but the way the Rams use their running backs, they're definitely pushing Akers now above Malcolm Brown in terms of how effective he is. I mean, and last week he was clearly above both of them. Last, yeah, last week he was much better than both Brown and Henderson, which I mean, isn't like saying a whole lot. I'm not a big Daryl Henderson fan, not a big Malcolm Brown guy. Here would be my advice. Unless you are truly desperate, I would 
want to sit him in the game tonight when this episode comes out. It's a Thursday game. He plays against New England. It's not an easy matchup. And I don't think you have seen enough of the trend yeah. to be confident it's a trend that will continue, but it has potential to. So even if he doesn't have the best game, if he is on for 60-70% of snaps, then he is a viable potential RB2 to put on your roster. He will then play the Jets and the Seahawks, which are much more beatable running defenses. And if he has shown some success for multiple weeks in a row, then I am way more willing to slide him mm-hmm. into that lineup. So I would hold off for this week. I am absolutely rooting for the guy because Akers was one of my favorites in the yeah. rookie class. He has a secondary question here in this comment. He says, also... Can we trust Josh Allen and Kyler Murray to have decent performances on week 15 and 16? Josh Allen versus New England week 16 has me nervous. I think you have every right to be nervous because the New England defense at some times seems like one of the stingiest in the league, but I, I would be shocked if you had Josh Allen and another guy that you could put in over him in a position. Mm-hmm. I would stick with the upside of Josh Allen. Yeah. The, trust it. The first thought I have is, more so than just week 15, are you also not concerned about Josh Steelers? Allen in week 14? Because the Steelers have been better than New England has against the past this season. But I am in the situation where I'm going to be playing a playoff matchup in a league where Toby is knocked out. <laughs> and wow, just I'm, had to do me Yeah, like and... Uh, And I am sticking with Josh Allen, even though I did look and saw my available option. This is clearly a single quarterback league. And on waivers this week, I could have put in a bid for Tannehill, who has an incredible matchup. And I'm sticking with Josh Allen. Yeah. Because I have confidence, especially after the insanity that was his performance last week. So I'm okay with him. And if he is performing against San Fran and then Pittsburgh... You should definitely not fear New England. You also said Kyler Murray. I'm sticking with him no matter what. He oh. just has the upside yeah, that no other quarterback. Do not bench Kyler or I'll slap you. <laughs> Fair enough. The fantasy bad guys says, Ooh. should you trade Lamar this offseason in Superflex? Is he a sell for you? No. He's not for me. He's probably a buy for me right now because of how poorly he's played um, relative to what I think his mean will be. Mm -hmm. I get as a running quarterback, he'll taper off eventually, but I think he'll be much better. I would agree. He's much more of a buy for me. I don't think right now you are selling him at his peak. He could finish this season off going nuclear, and then this could change because his value could go way up. But fantasy players are fickle, and... All it takes is a few good weeks, and his value will be way up. So I would not be selling him right now when I think his value will be a lot higher later. Only educated are free. Don't understand, but he says, How do you see the Chargers' backfield panning out next year? Is there another outside of Eckler that you want to put on your bench? And then he says, you know, in addition, Balazs has complementing size. Kelly is an army knife. Jackson is dot 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 a guy (laughs) this is how i see it first of all you've got it locked down that eckler he's locked into a contract he's a great player he's good to go they have been using josh kelly much more as his complement whereas once 
Eckler went down, Justin Jackson was his handcuff, essentially, because no matter what, they were not using one guy throughout all of the injuries they've had. They've been using a tandem, and it's essentially their bigger rusher, and then the more featured, pass-catching, quicker guy. And so when Eckler went down, Jackson took over that role, and I would project that he still will be in that spot. The question at this point with how Balazs is playing and how Kelly has not played as good is, has Balazs overtaken Kelly in that role? I'm willing to throw all of these guys on my bench. But for fun, Toby, how would you prioritize them? Eckler, Kelly, Jackson, Balazs. That's what I am thinking as well. I mean, right now, they're proving me wrong. I think Balazs is probably putting up... He's playing better, putting up better stats. I am not a believer in him. Josh Kelly is younger, has better athletic measurables, and I think is a better prospect. I unconfidently agree. I <laughs> do think that Balazs would be the one I would want the least. Also, I don't put a ton of value in Justin Jackson. I do think he's that handcuff type of player, and I would absolutely be willing to cut him if there's someone else that I think could benefit my team more. He's not an absolute hold for me. But yeah, what we've seen out of Kelly as a rookie, to me, he's worth a hold, and I would definitely want to keep him on my bench. I couldn't see myself cutting a player like Josh Kelly right now. Yeah. Next up, we've got 30 over par. Been there. (laughs) And he says he needs to start two in PPR. Okay. He's got Dobbins versus Cleveland, Mike Williams versus Atlanta, Gio Bernard versus Dallas, Cam Akers versus New England, and Judy versus Carolina. This is hard. It is. He says he also has Rager and Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel's on the COVID list right now. Yeah, I, I don't want to... He was on quite the streak before week 12, but his volume has continued to be fairly low. I would be curious in Curtis Samuel, though, because DJ Moore was actually the player who tested positive for COVID, and then Curtis Samuel's on the COVID list because he's close, close contact. contact. So in the scenario that Curtis Samuel's on the field... Because he is then cleared, but DJ Moore, obviously, he's not going to play because he tested positive only this week. So, if DJ Moore is out, Curtis Samuel's in, and it's just Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel, I'm, I do think he's an absolutely legitimate option here. But who are your two? You've got Dobbins, Mike Williams, Gio Bernard, Cam Akers, Judy, Rager, and Curtis Samuel. It is a tough one. I, I get why you're asking this question. I am playing Dobbins over all of them. So he is my number one. Dobbins is my Dobbins is my number one. It's just the number two. I think Bernard might be the safest option there. Because you gotta be pretty confident he's gonna get the ball like a decent <laughs> yeah, amount. Yeah. But I just don't wanna play him. I just don't wanna do it. Yeah, I mean we've decided not to, so <laughs> Uh, we did pick Dobbins over yeah. Geo, though, so we've already said that Dobbins is our number one here. Because you're going to have to be making this decision tonight for Thursday, I would be sitting Cam Akers, even oh, though yeah. he is a legitimate option. And part of that is 
I really do think Curtis Samuel might be my choice, assuming he is in and DJ Moore is out. Yeah. My my second to that would be Mike Williams. Mike Williams against the Falcons. The Chargers are going to be airing this ball out. They're going to be a high-powered offense. They're going to be getting down the field a lot. And he excites me because of that. He edges out Judy in that respect for me. My number two, honestly, is Curtis Samuel. And I think that if he is not playing, for example, if we take him off of the board, my next option would most likely be Mike Williams or Geo, and it's dependent on if you think you need that floor or that ceiling, because it yeah. is so obvious that Mike Williams has the <laughs> ceiling, he plays Atlanta, but if I needed 10 points in PPR, I think oh, it's more God. likely. If Gio's one of them is going to get 2.2 points, it'll be Mike Williams. It won't be Geo. Yeah, you're probably... Geo, Geo's floor is 6.1. Okay, that's specific. I like <laughs> I really like that question. Okay, let's go to the next one. Han Chan says, 12-team PPR playoff team trading its first for Austin Eckler. Current running backs are Mostert, Fournette, Henderson, Abe. Yeah, you should trade your, yeah, your yep, late Yeah, brilliant. First. Move on. That's exactly what you should do. <laughs> You're in the playoffs. Obviously, you don't have a trade deadline, which some dynasty leagues don't. Yeah, get Clearly, Eckler. That's awesome. Go get Eckler. Smart <laughs> yeah. move. It's uh, not even close. Thanks for that, Hanchan. That's the easiest one of the day. T. Pyrrhic says, Should we be concerned about CEH or Miles Sanders after not really living up to their hype this year? You should be concerned about Miles Sanders more than you're concerned about Clyde Edwards. I would agree. Clyde had a fine rookie year. Let's be real. He is the running back 13 on the season. It's actually very funny. If if I can say my own little anecdote here. I have a team and I have Zeke Elliott and Clyde Edwards-Alaire on it. And I missed the playoffs. I got seventh where I need to be in the top six. And... That just feels like, oh, my two running backs just totally let me down. Zeke is the RB7, and Clyde Edwards-Lair is the RB13. I had two of the (laughs) best running backs in the league, but every week I felt like it was those two that killed my team. Anyway, I'm not too concerned with Clyde Edwards-Lair. I do think some of the expectations for him were a bit too sky high, Mm -hmm. especially I get the hype once Damian Williams opted out that it's like, oh my God, he's only competing with Daryl Williams. And then Lashawn McCoy. Yeah. And then of course they bring in Bell who's hurt him a decent amount too. Then on the other hand, you've got Miles Sanders. I am a bit concerned with Miles Sanders. A lot to do with the offense is not as good as we thought, even though I do think it will be better next year, regardless of which quarterback they are starting week one in 2021. But also, Doug Peterson is trending towards going back to the committee that he has liked throughout his head coaching career. And I'm concerned that Miles Sanders should not be looked at as a top 10 running back. He is more likely going to be that perennial running back 15 to 20. That's my guess at this point. Also entirely tangential, but Wentz is benched this weekend for Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts, and I totally understand it and respect the decision, but Wentz is costing Philadelphia millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Like That, to me, the fact that they are sitting Wentz is saying, yeah, we're going to pay this guy. 
literally, I think it's like I don't know the exact game by game breakdown, mm-hmm. but it's over a million dollars to sit on the bench. That yeah. is some yeah. expensive bench warming. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of get it. <clears throat> well, I get it too. Okay. Squint Lombardi says. Toby loves these usernames. He always does. It's always a highlight of these uh, episodes for me. Top seed right at the deadline traded three first rounds and one second round pick for AJ Brown for the title push. Did I read that right? You traded three firsts and one second for AJ Brown and title push. Now in the offseason, I feel I must move one of Cook, Kamar, or Henry. Sounds crazy when I say it, but how many truly studly years can these guys have left in the tank? Kamara is the only one not racking up a ton of miles, but the situation is pretty scary in New Orleans all of a sudden. So is he saying because A.J. Brown can fetch three firsts a sec- and a second, he should be moving one of these players because he could get an okay. absolute haul? Then yeah, by that logic, the way sure. you interpret it, sure. I would say... AJ Brown for three firsts is already a highway robbery at gunpoint. Um, like I get if you want a title, go for it. That that's that's just overzealous at that point. Also, the fact that there was a top seed team that had three firsts in the unless it was second, unless it was like a twenty-one, a twenty-two, and a twenty-three. Firm. Yeah, I don't get that at all. But listen, my man, if you can go trade. Yeah, imagine uh, what you could get for Kamara. If, if you if you trade Kamara for four firsts, for then four firsts, then yeah, I'd do it. Mm-hmm. With Cook, Kamara, and Henry, I don't really care who the top seed is, unless your the rest of your team is trash. You can absolutely compete for this title. I doubt this guy has such a super team if he has none of those players that he is clearly the no. favorite over you. Yeah, but. If I'm going to be trading one of these players for a total haul, I don't think it's right now. It's not likely the time to do so. Wait till, yeah. wait till the off season would be my guess. Yeah. But yeah, if that's the if what you're trying to say is that the rate that these players are going for is crazy, then I agree. You should be trading Kamara for four firsts. Yeah, and uh, whoever accepted that trade, by the way, target them. I don't think they have any more first. Go talk to the person who just called them, I guess. Okay. Oh, it's so odd. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a weird one. Okay, let's go to Vic Beastly Jr. What's up, Mike? Are Nikhil Harry and Darrington Evans worth holding? No. Okay, we like to meme on Nikhil Harry, but you should be Nikhil, Nikhil Harry is worth holding. And Darrington Evans is as well. Yeah, I think you know, it's pretty easy that unless you're in an incredibly shallow league, I would be holding these guys. But recognize that Nikhil Harry was absolutely not worth the first round capital you spent on him. And Darrington Evans, his value just hasn't changed. He's most likely, if healthy, he's been hurt this year. He's probably yeah. the backup. He's got good PPR upside if Derrick Henry ever goes down, I I will immediately be excited to start him. So I'm definitely not dropping those type of players. But yeah, Nikhil Harry, you shouldn't have spent your early first on him, but that doesn't mean now he's worth dropping. Darrington Evans as well. Derrick Henry will put up mileage, and he will stop being a pass-catching running back. Not that he is a market (laughs) leap. But you know what I'm saying. Like he's he's not going to be catching passes his whole career, and mm-hmm. Darrington Evans will 
will smooth that transition. Yeah. He's he's 100% worth holding. Yeah, I would I would definitely hold both of these players. Specific dash code says, "My team is looking good except for my wide receiver positions. Right now, he has Allen Robinson, JD McKissick, which on some platforms is a wide receiver slash running back, so he's counting him as a wide receiver, and Marquise Brown. That's in his starting lineup. On his bench, he has Jamison Crowder, Nelson Aguilar, and Jacoby Myers. Is he choosing the right three? So you have Allen Robinson, who is locked in, and then you're choosing two of the others, McKissick, Hollywood Brown, Jamison Crowder, Nelson Aguilar, and Jacoby Myers. I personally would swap Crowder for Hollywood Brown. I would do the same. So McKissick definitely benefits from Gibson being out. He's going to get a higher amount of snaps. And Gibson isn't officially out, but I don't expect that he will play next week. And if so, he will play fewer snaps than normal. So I am happy to continue to play McKissick. But then when you're looking at Hollywood Brown, you have the potential that Mark Andrews is back, who steals a lot of the targets from Hollywood. And Hollywood simply hasn't been getting that many targets this season. He is fairly unreliable. And then you compare it to Crowder, who, first of all, he was hurt for a lot of this year, but when he's been healthy, the difference in his games when he has Joe Flacco throwing to him versus when he has Sam Darnold throwing to him is massive. He has Sam Darnold, who loves to target him a ton. I would stick with Crowder quite happily. Marquise Hollywood Brown had essentially one good play against the Steelers, and it was an absolute broken play. Mm Mm-hmm. And really, one good play against the Cowboys, and it was an absolute broken play. You cannot be benching on those targets. Crowder is way, way, way safer. We only have two more. Melvin Gordon, startable in the playoffs, and what about next season? Yes, I, th- I think his contract is for next year. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's startable. His contract and... is not up, but Lindsay's is. So and Lindsay, Lindsay could be been... leaving. Philip Lindsay was a darling of mine in years previous, and he has stunk. Mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon is startable in playoffs, and he is startable next year. He's not a glamorous option that you're excited about. Um, he showed that he's not the fastest guy on his little breakaway against the Chiefs, but he's he's startable. You, you have to be starting. If he's on your team, realistically, he'll be in your lineup, and he will be for next year as well. I think if you're a stud lineup, like he is a low-end RB2, so there's a lot of lineups that he is on the bench. He was on one of my team's benches for essentially the whole year until Josh Jacobs went down, yeah. and now I am starting him in playoffs. Yeah, He plays Carolina, then Buffalo, then the Chargers, and all of those teams I am absolutely fine to be starting him in. He will be in my lineup against Carolina, and I do expect him to have a good game. Going forward, especially, I really do think that Philip Lindsay could be on, and it could be Royce Freeman as the backup, who I don't think will get nearly as much work. Melvin Gordon, as he showed on the Chargers for a while, if you give him a huge opportunity, he can produce for fantasy. And yeah, yeah I think he's a decent buy right now, or most likely in this offseason. But you have to remember, that's got to happen before he is the only one in the backfield. Because... You, if yes. Lindsay leaves and they don't draft someone, he will gain a lot of value. I would try to trade for him when that none of that has happened yet and take the gamble that it will happen. If possible, if there are no trade deadlines, 
wait till he has a terrible week in playoffs? I don't think he will. If he happens to have a terrible week in playoffs and pisses off the right owner, that's when you trade for him. Yeah, could happen. Let me refresh to see if there's any new ones. Nope, this is the final Here question. we go. Who's it from? I also, I didn't say that. The last one, Melvin Gordon, was from Golden Domer, 28. Oh, wow. This last one is from Pechin Burger. Out of the tight end wasteland, who do you like for playoffs? He is the three seed, but his tight ends are Ferkser, Hooper, and Disley. Yuck, he says. Okay, so Disley... I'm not playing. He's no. not even nearly running as many routes as Hollister, so he's not even the Seattle tight end I would be playing. No. Ferkser at least has a lot of the underlying numbers, but only because Johnny Smith is out. If Johnny Smith plays, he is absolutely out for me as well. Yeah. He also, I was playing against him last week, and he absolutely was so close to having a two-touchdown game, and instead he had zero. <laughs> I, yeah, Burger, man, you gotta play Hooper. Yeah, it's Hooper's Hooper. snap percentages are monstrous across the season. I know he's been used for blocking you a lot, but with Mayfield actually playing really well right now, it's Hooper's snap percentages. I would be very willing to go with Hooper. I don't think that is a massive problem, and as crazy as it is, the teams that have a significant advantage over you at the tight end position, the guy with Kelsey... The guy with Waller, and that's it. The tight end three is Hawkinson, and if I I have Hawkinson, do I think he is significantly better than Hooper week in, week out? Not really. And number four is Robert Tunyon. <laughs> and Tunyon's a bit of a beast. It's pretty crazy. I don't think Hooper versus Tunyon is an easy decision. No. So in terms of do I see anyone off the waiver wire I would be going after, not really. You could take a shot if he's out there on someone like Jordan Reed, potentially, but he is all in that same range as Hooper. Hooper's a good receiver, and especially in games where they can't do their game script that they're hoping for in Cleveland, where they're constantly running, next week they play Baltimore it's likely that they aren't going to be winning from the very first snap of the game, basically like they just had against the Titans. They just dominated them from the start of the game. Assuming that doesn't happen, they will need to throw a lot more, and Hooper is likely one of their top receivers. So I'm happy. No issues starting Hooper in my mind. Hooper's my pick. He also could start Ferks or if Johnny Smith's out. I just, I'm really unexcited about it. Does at least have a good matchup. That's it, everyone. That is our mailbag episode. It was a lot of fun. I always love the episodes where I am getting involved in the community, asking you guys all the type of questions at any time. Our DMs on Reddit, on Twitter, they're open. Ask us whatever you want to. I love responding to your guys' DMs. That's on Twitter, at Deep Dive Dynasty. You can always find us there. Before we finish out the episode, I have another player, as we do every week, that is this week's Dynasty Buy. I will be giving Toby a series of five hints. They will progressively make it easier to guess who this player is. Here's hint number one. This player has not scored a touchdown since his one touchdown in week one and then one touchdown in week two. So he's touchdownless since then. 
Just trying to think of someone who I remember scoring touchdowns in week one and two, and then no more. Trying to think of maybe someone who got injured. I'm I'm struggling to come up with a good guess that I feel happy about. Because every, everyone easy. I think of, I just they they pop into my head with a week seven touchdown, and I go, "Well, it ruined that one." Yeah, fair. OBJ. Nope. Hint two is that this twenty-three-year-old was a former first-round pick. Twenty-three former first-rounder. Still don't know a whole lot. Don't know position yet. I don't know if it's a rookie. Former first-round pick. Is it Judy? No, it's not Judy. No, it's not. He's scoring as a jet. <laughs> That's a fine guess, though. Okay, this one's a little bit of a convoluted hint, so I'll say it slowly. This player has been dealing with injuries throughout the season. He has only missed one game. However, looking at his season stats, there is also another game that you can completely throw out for reasons that are irrelevant to him. It jumps out at me that it's the Denver game because that game was an absolute shit show with Kendall Hinton at quarterback. But if that is the case, who's a former first? But it doesn't necessarily have to be that. That's just the game that I think of about a game that you could throw out. It could be because of COVID, for example. Even a close contact. No offense. Yeah, it's no. I was going yes! to give you the hint of he has only been inactive for one game. So it couldn't have been the close contact yeah. thing. I guess it could have been Clyde from that. Yeah, bullshit, it could have. Uh, no. Yes, you were immediately on Denver. And I knew that if it took another hint, because the next hint was he currently sits at the tight end 14 yeah, in PPR. Would, and you would have been like, oh, how did I not think of that? <laughs> and then the final hint was. In the game this season, where this player had a practice squad wide receiver throwing him the ball, he was the only receiver on the team to record a catch. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, one catch in the whole game. It was crazy. What you think a weird. They gave time. him just like some screens to build his confidence up in the first quarter or whatever. Really weird. Yeah, it was a weird game. That's it, everyone. That is our 34th episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty podcast. I'm excited to get into the offseason. I'm excited to talk more and to hear more from you guys about who's won their fantasy championships. I'm excited for it all. From your hosts, Colin and Toby. Good luck in playoffs, everybody. Go get some dubs. For sure. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace.